You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. As we continue in the Gospel of Mark, and we find that at this point in the life of Jesus, the opposition by the religious leaders keeps intensifying, and they keep pursuing a way in which they can trip him up and discredit him to the multitude, to to all the people, to the common people, so that they can kill him. There's, There's no question what their agenda is, it's death. But they know that before they can kill him, they've got, they've got to discredit him. So they keep going, and we've seen the, the Pharisees, we've seen all the religious leaders coming, and today the Sadducees hits the picture. Now the key verse, I think, is, is when Jesus says that you err because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. And there's a lot of ways in which we know stuff. Some of us know our ABCs. We can do math. We can, we can do rote. We've got things memorized. You got your times tables. What's that, second grade, third grade? You, you gotta get all of that going. And, and you get that. And, and many of us, we, we take our Western educational system and we bring it into the church and we learn the books of the Bible. Michelle, you wanna sing them? Um, we, we know facts. We even have competitions, Bible quizzes, where we'll sit and find out who knows more of the Bible. And that's the kind of knowing that's knowing about something. It's information. It's memorization. It's putting it in the mind. It's in the brain. And so the computer spits it out and we know. Mind you, the Sadducees knew a lot about the scripture. But Jesus said, they're erring because they don't know the scripture nor the power of God. So let's pick up with our text in Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 18. Then the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no children. It was same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the rising, now about the dead rising, Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. 
Hmm. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd release your spirit, that we'd have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So who are the Sadducees? The ones that don't believe in the resurrection. Now we see why they're sad. You see? They don't believe in the resurrection. <clears throat> they were the wealthy. They were kind of the aristocrats of, of the religious leaders. Oftentimes they would be the, the high priest. And they lived pretty much totally right there in Jerusalem. They never got out of Jerusalem. They stayed right there. The Sadducees. Hmm. There's a whole lot that we don't know about them because they didn't write any literature about them. There's nothing really recorded much other than what we have in the New Testament. They also didn't believe, we find in Acts chapter 23, verse 8, they didn't believe in angels or spirits. However, the Pharisees did. And so we find that the religious sects that are usually in opposition and at each other's throats all combine for the sake of trying to find a way to kill Jesus. And so here's the Sadducees, and they do not believe in the, in the resurrection, and yet they come with a resurrection question. I think that's interesting. The Sadducees only regarded the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, as authoritative and binding for their life. They didn't go with the prophets, they didn't go with the Psalms, they didn't go with the Proverbs. They only went with the first five books of the, our Old Testament. They resided in Jerusalem, and therefore when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, we don't hear much about the Sadducees from that point on. So in Deuteronomy, the foundation that this question and this trap that they try to set for Jesus takes place is over what they call the Leverite marriage. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. There's a couple things that the Leverite law of marriage was designed. One, to preserve the family lineage, the, the line of each male to continue but it was also to keep uh, the landownings, the property together. And so here, if a man dies and he has brothers, the wife's not supposed to marry outside of the family. She's to marry the next brother in line. I don't know about you when, you, when you look at this kind of thing, it's like a little strange for us in the Western world, but it's like, I think if I was the third brother, or the fourth brother, or the fifth brother, or the sixth brother, or the seventh brother, I might be a little cautious about marrying this woman. 
Mm. It's really kind of believed that uh, part of the development of this whole plot to trip up Jesus, that the Sadducees are using something that they kind of used as a proof text for why there is no resurrection. And, and so they, they're using this. We, we, we think that this was probably the inside joke among the Sadducees, especially with they, if they were debating with a the Pharisee, they would throw something like this out to just trip everything up. So the first brother dies and on through the seventh. And finally, the poor lady dies too. The question, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Hmm. This was designed to ridicule belief in the resurrection. The assumption is that Resurrection life will be no different from the life we experience on the earth. And so as we, we marry, are given in marriage here on planet earth, we, we think that when we're resurrected, that it'll still be intact. Jesus has some really interesting responses to this. His response is a, is a chiastic structure. This is a, a, a rabbinical teaching technique where you take point A, and then you introduce point B, then you introduce point C, then you come back with point C, and you go to point B, and you come back to point A. Strategically designed to bring the emphasis on the A. What's the A? You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. You're an error. You're an heir because you do not know the scriptures, point B. You don't know the scriptures. Now he's telling the academic, the PhDs of his day, who spent their whole life studying the scripture, that they don't know the scripture. So we know he's not talking about intellectual, instructional knowledge. He's talking about the real knowledge of knowing experientially and personally the living word of God. See, you do not know the power of God. Because they think resurrection life is gonna be the same as earthly life. <clears throat> Goes back and hits C again, says the power of God raises the dead. We don't give not given in marriage. We're like the angels. Hmm, we'll look at that here in a minute. Then he goes back to B, the scripture. He says, it's right here in the Pentateuch. You want to see proof text, biblical support for resurrection in the Torah, the five books of Moses? He says, go to the passage on the bush. There God is meeting with Moses, who's their hero. Moses is the authority for the Sadducees. And he's using how God spoke to Moses, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the living. And then he ends with, you are badly mistaken. 
Now, if you were looking at this in the Greek, A and A, top A and bottom A, are both the same Greek word. You're an heir. It means you're off the path. You're not on the path anymore. You have gotten off the path. You're an heir. It's really interesting in, in, in this Mark gives us no record of how the Sadducees responded. And oftentimes when Jesus is speaking to those who are coming to him with an apparent question, but he knows it's a trap, he, he really doesn't coddle them. He just sets the truth and leaves it. So here he is. The first correction of the Sadducees is on their view of resurrection life. They should not compare resurrection life to life on earth. Resurrection life, the power of God. It does not mean that there's just going to be a continuation of what we've existed and known here on earth, and it's just going to continue on and on and on. The resurrection is a transfigure. It's a transfigured into a new dimension of life that we've never experienced. None of us have experienced it. We, we get all authoritative, we write books, and we're gonna tell you exactly how it's gonna be in heaven, and there's a lot of stuff that the scripture has to say about heaven. But the reality is, you don't know how you're gonna be when you are resurrected, but you're gonna be different than you are right now. In Philippians, Paul says you know, that we will have a glorified body. It's a spiritual glorified body. And our citizenship lies in heaven. So this is just incredible. But we're going to be like the angels. We're going to be like the angels. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? I think that means... Angels are the ones who stand in the presence of God. They behold God in all his glory. And they go and from that place, they go and serve his redemptive purposes wherever he sends them. They go on mission. Hmm. We're going to be like the angels. I don't know about you, when I was 16, I'm thinking, oh, no marriage? Bummer. I want a girlfriend. Yeah, it's like, well, that's not... I don't think the emphasis is so much about what kind of relational connections we're going to have in heaven. I think they're going to be way beyond what we could ever anticipate. But they're talking... A, 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 he's taking a big sweep with his, with his paintbrush, and he's saying, we're going to be like the angels. Our heart and our concern will be upon the Lord God himself. It won't be upon Fluffy. It won't be upon something else. It's going to be upon him. Chris Johnson wrote a poem, and it was uh, after one of his sons had died. And it just always moved my heart. When I'd go in his office, it was there, and I'd read it, and I'd just say, wow. And he's talking about what he's going to do when he gets to heaven. 
And he says, the first thing I'm going to do is not this, and it's not this, and it's not this. And it's not even looking for my son who passed. But it's to be in the presence of my Lord and Savior. It's to come into the presence of God. And when we see God for who God is, that will be the driving force of our life. And I think that's what the expression will be like the angels. There will be a passion inside of us that we will long to be in his presence and to just be there and worship and adore him. And then whatever happens after that, well, Paul tells us, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined, conceived, anything thought of what God has prepared for those who love him. Jesus, in, in this passage that the people who don't even believe in the resurrection is revealing a treasure to us in this text, showing us that there is something, something about resurrection life that will so transcend everything that we've ever known here. Revelation says there'll be no more sickness, no more death, no more crying, you know, no more sorrow. You look at what's happening as we come into the resurrected state with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So incredibly amazing. We can't even, we can't even comprehend it. I pray for you that Holy Spirit will give you some dreams. That in your dreams that you will, you will see and you will experience something of the incredible glory that is ours because we love him, that which is to come in resurrected life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, 17, 18, you know, he's talking about where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, but we all who are beholding him are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And there's almost a sense that as, as we've looked at our journey when we didn't know Christ and then we confessed our sins and we came into relationship and knew the state of forgiveness. I don't know if you can remember, you're, you're, I can still remember, I didn't know you could feel this clean. I didn't know that there was a cleansing in the forgiveness of sins that transcended anything I'd ever experienced. Back then there was some kind of little bath soap that you put your kids in and they play with toys and all this and they come out and the, the, the little adage of this commercial was, you're so clean your mother won't know you. <laughs> and it's like, oh. and to, to realize the cleansing of the blood of Jesus and what it's done for us. And then as we go from glory to glory, even this side of the resurrection, even this side of, of entrance into heaven, there is just one continuation, glory to glory. The NIV says, with an ever increasing glory. And I wanna see the increase. And so wherever you are today, I wanna to encourage you that there is more glory for you tomorrow. So pursue, pursue. Be like angels. Come and tarry in the presence before the living God. 
and there, listen, hear, and obey. Then Jesus corrects the Sadducees on their biblical ignorance, reminding them of the bush right there in the Pentateuch. Exodus 3, 6. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God doesn't say, I was the God, I was their God, but I am their God. Isn't that interesting? How Jesus uses the scripture. And tenses can be important. And here, something that was before them all their life, they've read the story of Moses, they know about the burning bush, but they never saw that there was a revelation of the resurrection in the words of the Lord to Moses, that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, the Sadducees don't recognize God's power. They miss his word, and they don't have a comprehension of his love, that he would love them so much that he would give them life again. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 says, By his power God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Hmm. So we find at the end of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 5, here's what happens. The ladies come to the tomb, they enter the tomb, and there on the right sat a young man clothed in a white robe. The women were startled, but the angel said, Do not be so surprised. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Wow. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. <laughs> he is live and well on planet Earth. So he finishes the interaction with the Sadducees with, once again, a pronouncement, you are badly mistaken. You're off the path. You got off the path. It's like, Holy Spirit, if we're getting off the path because we're splitting hairs in intellectually understanding scripture and having fights and debates, and we're missing the true heart and intent of your heart, of what the scripture says and what it means, would you put us back on the path? We want to be on the path of relationally knowing the power of God and relationally knowing the Holy Scriptures and realizing that his word is fresh and alive and it's, he still speaks to us today. May we know the resurrection May we know the word. May we know the power.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That even in the deceptive way that they tried to trap your son, our savior, he's a perfect man who controlled his tongue and was able to speak as he heard you speak and speak truth. And even though we don't know how the Sadducees responded, we know how we respond today when through this passage you speak to us about knowing your word and knowing your power, knowing you. Not knowing about you, but knowing you personally. So continue to release a grace. Keep us from getting off the path of accruing knowledge without knowing you. I pray that the more we know the relational intimacy with you would go from glory to glory and that you would make all the difference to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.